0: <sighs> good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Those of you that I can see here in the sanctuary and those who are joining us at home. Uh, just a wonderful time being able to be in the presence of the Lord, to worship Him. Don't you just love God today? Yeah. Isn't yeah. He good? He's kind, He's merciful, He saves to the uttermost. So grateful for His presence. Um, for those of you that uh, perhaps have only been here the last couple of weeks, and you haven't seen me up here, uh, my name is Chris Lonneville, I am uh, one of the pastors here at Family Life Church. Uh, we were away on vacation, which was a wonderfully uh, relaxing, refreshing time at the ocean, and we were grateful for it. So thank you for your uh, kindness in letting us go. Um I want to, this morning, uh, do something a little bit different. I I want to actually preach less and actually meddle more. Uh, I want to talk about the stuff in your life. Uh, I've been around here a long time, almost 30 years, and i got to say, some of you guys got some stuff. And I want to talk about your stuff. Uh, If we're honest, stuff is something that we all have in common, and doesn't it seem like, by the way, that the older you get, the more stuff you got? And by stuff, in my lingo, that's what I call junk. You know, the stuff that piles up in your closets that you haven't touched in forever, but you've got to keep it because you never know when you might need it. Uh, how, how many of you guys are keepers? You, you understand? There's keepers and they're throwers in life. How many of you are keepers? Can I see your hand? You should be proud of it. You're keepers. How many of you are far wiser than you're throwers? How many of you are married to a keeper? (laughs) Um, How how many of you have, uh, maybe even this year in the middle of the pandemic, give you a little bit more time, decided to do some spring cleaning and you began to look at your stuff and you said, where did all this stuff come from? it's, It's crazy. I've talked to people who have so much stuff they want to go rent out storage rooms in order to store their stuff because they don't have enough room in their house in their basement in their attic and in their garage now i need another storage area um it seems like to me uh, my wife has done a lot of garage sales over the years Uh, how many of you guys have done garage sales how many of you have done garage sales with somebody else you know multiple family garage sales my assessment is this when you have a multi-family garage sale all it means is you come home with either the same amount of stuff or more because all you've done is you exchange stuff with the person you're doing it with right Right. um if you think about it our whole lives we work hard in order to collect stuff and then when we die we leave our stuff to our kids And then our kids go through all their stuff. If you're like our kids, they've probably gone through and put their initials on everything already before we're even gone. But they go through all of our stuff and our stuff then becomes their stuff. And the stuff that they don't want, they have an estate sale and it becomes somebody else's stuff. Uh, I am convinced the longer I live that stuff is kind of like matter. It never goes away. We're short-timers. We're here one day and we're gone the next. We breathe our last and we go home to be with the Lord. But our stuff seems to be eternal. You think it's my stuff, but one day, somebody's going to look at that and say, don't touch it, that's my stuff. Um, The thing that's strange about our stuff is that as much as we know we're going to have to get rid of our stuff one day, it's really hard for us to release our stuff now. We we, want to control our stuff. We want to keep our grimy little fingers on our stuff. It's ours. And and the same is true, by the way, for our money. I don't know if you've thought about it, but you guys are an extremely generous group because one day, every single one of you is going to give away 100% of your stuff, of your money. Think about it. One day... All of that money that you've worked so hard to earn, to save, to gather together, one day you're going to have to let it all go. We read Scriptures like where Jesus says to the rich young ruler, I want you to go and sell all you have and give it away to the poor. And we think, I could never do that. And I think God laughs and says, really? You're not going to bring it with you when you come here. So you are going to give it all away. So what I want to do is I want to talk to you about our stuff. Um, because my impression is that most often, especially when it comes to our stuff or our money, that our, our view is how little can I give and still keep God happy with me? How much can I keep for myself? Um, I know I've got to give. Because God says we're to be givers like He's a giver. That's what He tells us in the Beatitudes. That we would be givers like our Father in Heaven. I know I have to give, but how little can I give and still have God okay with me? At least that's my perspective as I've lived life and as I've talked to people is how much can I keep for myself? And you ought to ask yourself, why is that? Why is it that We like to keep so much of our stuff. C.S. Lewis, I don't know if any of you guys have ever heard of him. C.S. Lewis is a well-known author. He he, uh, wrote many, many books. Uh, He wrote a small little book called Screwtape Letters. Any of you guys ever read that? Screwtape Letters is a book about a senior demon by the name of Screwtape who is trying to mentor or coach his young nephew, Wormwood. And Wormwood has been delegated one human being as his responsibility to ruin that human's life. And then one day, this human being becomes a Christian. So Uncle Screwtape begins to amp up the lessons a little bit and he begins to talk to his nephew Wormwood about how to destroy this Christian's faith. And he deals with a lot of different things, but one of the things he deals with is our preoccupation with our stuff. And here's what he says. This is in letter 21, by the way, of C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters. He says this The sense of ownership in general is always to be encouraged. These humans are always putting up claims to ownership, which sound equally funny in heaven and in hell. And we must keep them doing so. And all the time, the joke is that the word mine in its fully possessive sense cannot be uttered by a human being about anything. Let me say that again. The joke is that the word mine in its fully possessive sense cannot be uttered by a human being about anything. In the long run, our Father, and here he's talking about the devil, or the enemy, and here he's talking about God, will say mine of each thing that exists and especially of each man. They will find out in the end, never fear, to whom their time, their souls, and their bodies really belong, but it's certainly not to them. At present, the enemy, that's God, says mine of everything based upon the fact that he made it. Our Father, and here he's talking about the devil, hopes that in the end, he'll be able to say mine of all things on the more realistic, and dynamic ground of conquest. C.S. Lewis basically says to us, when we say mine, we're really silly. And heaven and hell laughs at such an odd concept, knowing that you don't fully possess anything because you can't take it with you. Only God truly possesses everything. And yet, probably if you're like me, You live with some sense of ownership, of possession. We use terms, because there's not good terms to use. But we use terms like ours or mine. But I think sometimes those words actually reflect a deeper heart issue. And we really do think we're owners and that it's mine. Turn with me, if you would, to an Old Testament book, 1 Chronicles 29. 1 Chronicles 29, I want to talk about a king and his people who actually were able to explode this great myth called ownership. And that's what I want us to look at today. 1 Chronicles 29. And the context, by the way, is we're looking at a king, and the king's name is David. David has a kingdom that he reigns over, and it's called the kingdom of Israel. The people are Israel. And from their perspective in Israel at the time, God lived in a box. Do you remember what the box was called? What was the box called? The Ark of the Covenant. And that box had three items in it. Do you remember what the three items were? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry. Manna, right? The golden bowl of manna. What else? I'm sorry, what? Aaron's rod that budded. And what else? The Ten Commandments. So, God lived in a box and He made sure that in this box they had those three items and then that box was put in a tent. And what was the tent called? The Tabernacle of Moses. And they believed that God dwelled there. And one day, David was sitting in his luxurious house and he began to think, this just isn't right. Here I am living in such luxury. And my palace is amazing. People come from around the world to look at it. While God lives in a box in a tent. And so David made the decision that he would go ahead and he would build God a house. Not just any house. He would build God a temple that caused every other temple to all the other false gods on the earth pale in comparison. So he makes decisions. He begins to collect money. He begins to make plans. He draws up drawings for it. He does all of that. And then one evening, through the prophet Nathan, God comes and tells David, you're not going to build me a house, but your son Solomon is. But David does an amazing thing. David doesn't become discouraged and depressed about it. David actually begins, knowing that he won't build it, he begins to get everything together for his son Solomon, who would succeed him as king. He begins to draw plans. He gets engineering stamps on it. He begins to collect money and gold and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of where we pick it up so that David has made all the preparations necessary so that when Solomon becomes king, Solomon can merely say, make it so. And it would happen, just as when Captain Picard says it on Star Trek. It would happen. So, David has begun to look at all of this. He's making preparations knowing that he will never actually build the temple or see the temple, but he still gives his life for this. Look at 1 Chronicles 29:1 as we look at their attempt, their desire to break out of this ownership myth. Verse 1, furthermore, and again, furthermore is following the previous chapter where David has been actually talking to his son Solomon. But here he picks up and he talks to the people. Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great, because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now, for the house of my God, I have prepared with, what's that word? All. All. Say it. All. All. Not just some, not half hearted. I have prepared with all my might. He's not here talking about a percentage. This isn't about the leftovers that he will give to God. This is about I I want to give everything to God. I don't want to give God just enough to keep God happy. I want to give everything to God. (coughs) So, for the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might gold for things to be made of gold. Silver for things of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, again, a house he would never even see, I've given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. 3,000 talents of gold of the gold of Ophir. 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses. The gold for things of gold and silver for things of silver. And for all kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? You see, not only did David take all the treasure from the government, from the national picture, he actually took his own personal treasure that he had been able to save and raise as the king. I, I took my trusty little calculator and I did some figuring. And the gold and silver that David talked about in those verses we just read comes to, in today's money, $7 billion. Think about it. Out of his own treasury, he just gave it all away. $4.5 billion. All for the house that he would never step foot in. He would never see. All for God. In other words, he was looking for a way to give, not a way to keep. Let's keep reading. Verse 6. Then the leaders of the fathers' houses leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of thousands and of hundreds, with the officers over the king's work, offered... What's that word? Willingly. Pay attention to that word. Willingly. They gave for the work of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, Eighteen thousand talents of bronze and a hundred thousand talents of iron, and whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord into the hand of Jehiel of the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly, because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord. And King David also rejoiced greatly. It's it's like there's a giving frenzy going on. People got caught up in it. Moms and dads sat down over the kitchen table figuring out how much could they possibly give. Kids began to sell their toys so that they could get in on the giving. Grandma and grandpa got together with the family and said, we were going to give you this as an inheritance, but we're going to give this to the house of the Lord now. Everybody got caught up in giving willingly because they had a loyal heart to the Lord their God. The people didn't ask, how much do we have to give? They asked, how much are we allowed to give? And as a pastor, i got to tell you, most often when it comes to issues of giving and people are asking me questions, the question communicates to me, basically, how little can I give and get away with it? That's what the question most often is asked. It's like, how close can I get to that line called greed And yet not be considered greedy they don't think about am i really greedy they think i don't want to be seen to be greedy so how close can i get to that greed line and still keep as much for myself as possible why is it because at heart we think we're owners we think it's ours And and again, I know that words are limited because we use terms like ours and mine because there's no other way to really express it. But what I'm talking about is not the words. I'm talking about the heart, attitude, and mindset that goes along with those words. Uh, When it comes time for giving, we we will often do things like, all right, God, uh, I'm going to give you what you tell me I have to. I will give the tithe. And we do that, and we plunk it in the plate. Or maybe we don't even do that. A tithe is one-tenth. 10% of all that we have. All that we have made that week or those weeks, that's what a tithe is. Maybe instead we just throw in a buck or two and say, God, I hope you're happy. Or maybe we're feeling really generous and we say, God, I'm going to give my tithe and I'm going to give a little bit extra because I need a favor. So I've given extra, so will you, God, do your part? And you can say, oh, I've never done that. But I wonder how often that's been something of the attitude of our heart. God, I've been faithful to tithe all these years, I can't believe you would let my furnace break down at this time of the year. We basically have a mindset that my tithe, my giving, has earned me something instead of giving willingly out of a loyal heart. Or I've had people say to me, Pastor, isn't tithing an Old Testament principle? And we're New Testament Christians so that we don't have to give that much. And in heart, what they're really saying is, please say yes. Tell me I don't have to give that much. When the truth is, the New Covenant, according to Hebrews, is higher than the Old Covenant. So if in the Old Covenant was 10%, maybe you don't have to tithe in the New Covenant. But you have to give more because that's the principle. Everything in the New Covenant is bigger and better. We say, okay, do I tithe off the gross or off the net? I've had people say to me, well, Pastor, isn't our reputation as Christians in this town important? Shouldn't I first pay my mortgage, pay my uh, utility bill, pay my taxes, pay my cable bill, and then with whatever's left, I will tithe on that? Shouldn't I do that because I want a good reputation as a Christian? Instead of, no, God always gets the best. The first of everything. Again, the question to me most often comes down to how little can I give and get away with it? How little can I give and keep the rest for myself? Keep God happy with me, but keep the rest. It's almost never... Can I have another opportunity to give? Would you guys take up another offering? We don't hear that. And yet, in this case, they had to tell the people, stop giving. We have more than enough. I wonder what would happen if the church ever had that kind of mindset. And again, I'm not talking just about our money. I'm talking about all of our stuff. Our entire lives. Our energy. Our giftedness. Our talents. Everything that we are and everything that has come to us. I thought it was interesting that uh, Alexander the Great, who at one point was said to have conquered all of the known world, when he was getting ready to die at a very young age, he asked that he be buried in the ground with his hands sticking out of the ground as a way of telling all the people who would come by that he who conquered everything couldn't take anything with him. And I wonder, do we have that mindset? none of it's really ours it's all God's we ask how much do I have to give but really what we're asking is how little can I give they asked how much will you let me give and I wonder what that says for us as a people as new covenant Christians with this group of people in our text saw what they embraced is that they weren't owners at all they were stewards They were stewards of what had been handed to them. We know owners. Owners are those who own or they possess assets. A steward is one who manages another person's assets. And they recognized all that they had wasn't theirs. It was God's. Look at verse 10. Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness. The power and the glory, the victory and the majesty, for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Look at that last line again. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Would you stand with me for a moment? We have just heard David's response to the giving heart of the people, and every time we gather together like this. There's an opportunity to give. There's boxes in the back of the church in order to be safer because of COVID. But it's also the recognition that we're giving our whole lives. We're not just giving our stuff. We're not just giving our money. We're giving us. We're putting us on the altar. And David's response was, for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. So, I want to read it again, but you have a part. Your part is to say the word all, and the word yours. So look at the text. When I come to those parts, you're going to say those words. I won't. Okay? So, ready? For? Okay, that was putrid. (laughs) That was abysmal. Do you believe that all that's in heaven and earth is His? Do you believe that, honestly? Okay, then why don't you say the word all? Emphasize it like you mean it. Ready? For? That is in heaven and in earth is yours. Okay, you ought to say yours way louder. Because you're saying, God, it's yours. It's not mine. I can't be sitting here worrying about my money. What am I going to do when this happens? Or what am I going to do about that? God, it's all yours. So, let's try it again. Ready? For oh. that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Do you believe that? Do you honestly believe that everything that you are, everything that you have, comes from God? Do you believe that? Yeah. Okay, then I'll give you one more chance to say it. Ready? Four. Oh. that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Amen. You may be seated. He goes on and says, Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. David invested his whole life into the kingdom of God. He had sleepless nights. He fought battles. He lost family members. He got sick over this. But he gave his entire life for something higher than himself with the belief that when he were to die, he wouldn't just become worm food. He would go to be in the presence of the Lord. And he wanted everything that he did to be about God. David could have. I mean, if you think about it, David had lived a full life. He'd done a lot. The kingdom of Israel had grown under his reign. He could have sat back and said, you know, I've worked really hard all my life. I ought to get to just sit back and enjoy it. But he didn't. He lived for God right to the very end. He wasn't ready just to do what I used to talk about, which is to get a cabin up in the mountains and have some books and food and just live there for the rest of my life and just live on his past laurels. No, that's not what David was about. David said, I want my whole life from beginning to my dying breath to be for the purposes of God, for His kingdom. I don't get to just sit back. You know, a lot of times we live life like it's about us. Me and mine, ours. And we forget, it's really not. At heart, it's about God and His kingdom living for Him, not just for me. He says in verse 11, For all that's in heaven and in earth is Yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and You are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from You, and You reign, You possess, You rule over all. Everything comes from Him and everything belongs to Him. You see, every opportunity we have every talent, every gift, every work that we do, our brains, our hands, all of it comes from God. We are who we are because of God's goodness to us. His grace to us. He says in verse 12, both riches and honor come from you and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. The Scripture teaches us that God distributes to whom He wants What he wants. In other words, in America, of all places, we're taught that we're all equal. I want to suggest to you we're not all equal. God gives to people different gifts, different abilities, different talents. We're not the same. We might be equal within the United States of America in terms of our voting rights, but in terms of God, God, there are people in this room that are smart because God has made you smart. And then there's people in this room like me who are a little less than that, who, who maybe aren't as smart or as quick as you are. There's people in this room that have amazing gifts with music. Aren't you grateful for our worship team? Doesn't it help you to enter into the presence of God as they lead us? There are people with music ability, and then there's people who can't carry a tune in a bucket. And the best they can do during worship is smile. Say, I agree, but if I sing, it's going to bother everybody around me. There are people who are really good with their hands, with woodwork or with metalwork. And there's other people that wouldn't know one end from another. God distributes as He wills. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, he says this in verse 7, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the benefit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Those are the gifts of the Spirit. But he says this, but one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as He wills. In other words, God gets to choose some things. Can we develop? Can we grow at this? Can we get better at things? Yes, we can. But it's always because of God's provision to us. Paul says in Romans 12, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, let us use them. In other words, God gives us gifts. He gives us talents. And we're responsible to use them. Now, normally what I do in my sermons is I give you my points and as I go through, I tell you what the points are and I remind you. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you my three points right now that I've already given you. These are my three points today. So if you take notes, here are your points. Number one, everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. By virtue of creation and by virtue of redemption. Everything belongs to God. Number two, everything comes from God. Everything you have is only because of God's goodness to you. If God were to take away your breath right now, you would have nothing and could take nothing with you. This week, we were able to celebrate a life well-lived. Marion Miller went home to be with the Lord. It's not the only one this week. There's been others that we are aware of. Uh, Bill Lowry passed away. Others that we know of. But when you look in the casket, they're not taking anything with them. They go to His presence as He has made them. So everything comes from God. And finally, number three, everything is distributed by God what you have is what god has provided for you and he expects a return on his investment he expects you to use to develop what he has given you by his grace i read a quote the other day and it said this i liked it it says stewardship is protecting and growing the owner's assets with fierce intensity is that what you're doing for the things god has given you is there a fierce intensity that everything that i am Belongs to God. It comes from God. He gave it to me and He expects a return on it. I'm going to use all that He's given me for His glory. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity of sitting down with a financial planner. Uh, my wife and I did. Do you know the first question He asked us? W- what are your plans? What would you like to have happen with your money? Now, again, he's saying the word your, but in our hearts and minds, we know it's not ours, it's God's. It's just to use for his purposes, whatever God wants. But his question as a financial planner was, what is your goal for your money? Do you know what would have really bothered me? If when we sat down and we went over some stuff together, he said, you know, I'm so glad you brought your money to me to manage because now I can finally get that boat I've always wanted. <laughs> I don't really care what his plans are. I care that his plans line up with my plans for my money. Well, the truth is, God has given us, he's invested stewardship to us. And my question is, are you hearing the voice of God to use all that God has given you for his purposes? Now, David was doing all of this for the temple. Do you remember what happened when the temple was finished and they dedicated the temple? Remember, everybody gave willingly. They gave all that they had. They gave everything. David gave seven and a half billion plus the treasuries of the nation. Do you remember what happened when the temple was finally finished and they dedicated it? The scripture says that the glory of God came down and no one could stand in his presence. Is it possible that there's a correlation between the presence of God coming in fullness and people who give themselves fully to him? So even on a Sunday morning when we come in, there are people who come in and they they know that they're God's child. But right now, I just don't feel like it. I'm just going to stand here. I'm going to sit here. I just don't feel like standing up. I don't feel like singing, so I won't. I won't give God my heart, my worship. And I wonder if we are actually shortchanging our stewardship in terms of what God wants of us when our whole lives, everything we are, belongs to God. We all have the same opportunity every single day of our lives. Every single one in this room has the same opportunity. You have the opportunity to give your life fully to God, to live it fully for Him at work. You say, well, pastor, you don't work in places like I do. You work with Christians. That's true, I do. I think I've got it harder than you do. Um, you're right. You you work in places where people swear and they tell dirty jokes. But can you live your life for God even in their presence? Not entering into their stuff. But you bring your stuff and you change the atmosphere around you. Stewardship is living every day understanding it all belongs to God and when he calls for it you write the check and you do it gladly and willingly. It's all his. My three points, very simply, were everything belongs to God, everything comes from God, and everything is distributed by God. And we're going to be looking at that over these next weeks in relationship to not just our money, but our energy, our time, how we spend our time. All of that is a part of our stewardship. Would you stand with me? I want to give you the opportunity before we leave just to kind of close your eyes. Close yourself off with the Lord. And do you honestly believe that all you have, all your stuff, financial, material, physical, do you honestly believe that it all comes from God and that he gave it to you? It belongs to God. Do you believe that you, as his child, belong to God? You are his. I want to give you a chance just to recommit that in your own heart and life. Say, God, sometimes I get confused. I get caught up in this ownership myth. I get caught up in me and mine and ours. And I forget. It's all yours, oh Lord. All yours. Just freshly commit that to the Lord and say, God, I want to live my life that way. I don't want to live it having to get that new truck because my truck's a year old, two years old, three years old. God, it's all yours. How do you want me to live my life? That new house that we got that was so good for a while, but now uh, we're beginning to see it's got some weakness. God, how do you want me to live my life? It's all yours. God, Help me not merely to be content. Help me to be grateful for all that I have is from you. Father, in the name of Christ, we recognize that words fall short. But Lord, I believe that during this season you're actually challenging us. We're we're coming into the fall season in which we celebrate Thanksgiving. Uh, And I know stores are skipping right past it to Halloween and Christmas. But Lord, in our hearts, we know all that we are, all we will ever be, all that we have, all is yours. And we want to declare that before heaven and hell. Lord, I don't want heaven and hell laughing because I have some silly notion that it's mine. Or maybe we can say we've worked hard and we've saved our money but it's only because you've given us the grace and the ability to do that. It's all yours. Lord, I want to use my gifts, my talents, my abilities for your glory. I want to live mindful of your presence every moment of the day. Help me to become more aware of you and to live for you. And let that be true of us as a people such that as we gather together, the glory of the Lord comes and we are honored with your presence in fullness. That's our cry, Father. Let this be a time when we begin to remember whose we are. In the name of Christ, amen. Amen. You may be seated uh, again. the ushers will be coming in and releasing you uh, by rows. And uh, that way we can do it in a safe a way as possible. You who are parents, don't forget you have kids downstairs. Please go get them. And there's a way that you're doing that, of course. And in terms of your giving, there are boxes at all of the doorways as you go out so that you can give that way as well, okay? God bless you all. Have a great week as you live for God.